This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart, and I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, straight on, and unscripted. This episode profiles Gina Beavers. Gina makes representational paintings that are influenced by social media imagery and often depict step-by-step instructions on how to apply makeup to parts of the face or the chiseled muscles of a bodybuilder. Other works feature heavy and caloric foods like cheeseburgers and hot dogs and lobster rolls. The surface of Gina's paintings are noteworthy in that they are built up with layers of sculpted acrylic and allow the imagery to bubble off the flat pictorial plane into the third dimension. The paintings have a real physical depth and fullness and play with illusion and perception. We recorded the following conversation at her studio in the Greenpoint section of Brooklyn. But I'm also trying to be lo-fi about this. Like, I don't want to be like a bunch of gear. And yeah, totally. And you want to have some flexibility. It's awkward as is. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like this big contraption. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so coming in here... Um, you know, I, I, I see a number of works in progress. I see some of your reference imagery taped to the wall. You're working on some drawings. You have this center sort of island that's covered in different <laughs> tools. Uh-huh. Um, is, this typical, is this like a typical uh, like level of action in here? I mean, yeah. It's kind of in, uh, intense right now because I just hired an assistant. Mm-hmm. So it's like... The work kind of exploded over the last couple of weeks. We, you know, I was like, oh my God, look how much we got done, like quickly. So, and I'm also trying to always have something for her to do when she's here. So, right, right, right. I'm starting new projects a little faster. And I'm, um, for a while, I would, it could just be a painting and me. Uh-huh. In the yeah, studio. yeah. Yeah. You have, I it's see like, like maybe half a dozen things in progress right now. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit more. Yeah. Is is that atypical to have that many works going at the same time or is that a, like kind mean, of a direct result like, to having the studio? Assistant? Yeah, that's part of it. And mm-hmm. also it looks like what it would look like if there was a show like imminent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do have a show in March, okay. um, but that's not so around the corner. Right. So I'm excited about this because I feel like this is how I want it to be. Right. But so often I've been working on like a deadline. Oh, I need three pieces for this. Oh, I need five pieces for this group mm-hmm. show or something. And I'm working on those and then they leave and then I start the next thing. So that's why I got an assistant because I was like, I feel like I'm just working on these deadlines and I want to have stuff going on and I have ideas that I want to. Right. And the so. pressure of a deadline can also kill some of the yeah. creativity of, oh, for sure. or the joy of making this stuff. It totally. turns into work. Yeah. Quote unquote. For sure. Um, and you have this massive piece you're working on that you uh, are saying is probably going to be over 500 pounds. When oh, it's no, incomplete. no, 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 uh, it, it feel it might as well be, but it's <laughs> right. like, it's like 150, oh, okay, to, okay. something like that. And it takes like four people to move it around. Um, it's kind of, it's like I graduating all of a sudden to like a Richard Sarah, like going from a painter to like, I'm Richard Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Someone's going to get crushed by this thing. Um, <laughs> Break so, a finger. Yeah. Squish a toe. <laughs> I just like, I've only made two of them, two of these pieces, uh, because they're so labor intensive and mm-hmm. difficult um, yeah. and kind of expensive. They're like $3,000 of material. Just the and, materials themselves. Yeah. yeah so, so it's kind of a thing. But I love them. I love the experience of them. They're 
when when you're next to one of those mm-hmm. and they're just kind of awesome so. yeah it's a commitment when you work that big yeah not yeah. only for the cost of materials and everything mm-hmm. but you know the time and the labor and the love that goes into it for sure for sure um, before we get into the 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 act of making these and, and talking about your process which i think is um going to be pretty interesting to hear about um uh still talking about the studio space um i'm wondering what your your ideals are with with like what you would change about your studio you know when i came in mm-hmm. one of the first things you said like i need a little bit more space yeah so that's like an obvious right we all want more space right um but if you could uh, you know have a like a uh, wish come true <laughs> oh could you name a few things on like what the perfect studio space would be for you yeah well i mean in addition the, to the more square footage sure sure and actually square footage for me i feel like is so important because my pieces have to be made flat so working on something like a six foot by six foot painting if i want to work on three of those already we're talking about a huge amount of square footage that i need yeah. if those were on a wall or something it might not be as big of a deal but mm-hmm. You know, so square footage is like number one. I yeah, need, that's the priority. I need more of that, but I'd mm-hmm. also like a little built-in built kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> and like I am more. I mean, more storage, like that classic yeah. thing. Yeah, and a little desk space. Like I'd love a little setup, like the computer and like shelves and and filing cabinets and yeah, and like kind of a little office space. Yeah, like that. Yeah, we could go down really... a rabbit hole. Like this, <laughs> this wing is yeah. the production wing. This is yes. like this is my living room. Like when I have my <laughs> totally. studio visits come over, let's totally. sit down and let's have a comfy space. Yeah. Actually a drawing studio. I have a friend in Los Angeles who has a separate drawing studio because oh, wow. I realized when I started working on these pastels, how dusty they are mm-hmm. and it's getting all over everything. Yeah. So a separate space for just drawing would be amazing. Yeah. Like dry work, yes. wet work, yes. dust work, amazing. some ventilation system, oh, God, a ventilation AC system. in the summertime. Jeez. I know I run that thing on 60. It's really bad, but yeah. I like just leave it on. No, that's, that's the New I York summer on. we have yeah. to, otherwise you yeah. can't work. No, totally. Um, uh, and yeah. you st- you started to say uh, you have a show in March. Mm-hmm. Are these works that, that are on the wall and in progress headed potentially for that show? Yeah, theoretically, okay. yeah. So I that's, actually, that's, I the have pro- a little... that's the project at hand. Oh, sorry. That's probably not what I should be doing with the mic, mm-hmm. but I have that's a little cool. model underneath the table of oh. the space. Is that common, uh, how you prepare for a show? Do you build like a little scale model? Yeah, a little model yeah. Um, is helpful. I sure. think I don't know if it actually does anything except – make you feel like you're more prepared and organized (laughs) no i've done that versions of that sorry that's fine um yeah so you right did you find it helps you do you think yeah yeah. uh, especially you know when when i don't have as much time as i'd like i have to be very efficient and strategic Mm -hmm. and i find that modeling the show out even if it's just a quick drawing Mm -hmm. is helpful i never built like a scale Mm-hmm. version i know artists that do that and they have yeah. like little printouts of their work yeah. and they sort of install yeah. it um but i've done a digital version of that mm-hmm. uh, it sort of stops there um and i'm on the like i think sometimes it works and sometimes yeah it sets you up for disappointment yeah, because sure. what it's like on the screen is much different than yeah what it's like in the what it space. actually feels like uh-huh. i guess with my work sometimes i'm not sure about the consistency of like do these works work together? Do they right. tell, is there a narrative? Like, cause mm-hmm. my work like can piece be kind of random. What's next? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, does it seem, um, also sometimes can I get away with just this one work in this one room? Uh-huh. Is that enough? Yeah. You know, but I don't know that you could really tell on a scale model. If it's not, right. you kind of have to be in the space. But, right. Uh, could you walk 
me through how these get made. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's 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 the component of modeling and mm-hmm. sculpture that goes down first, mm-hmm. um, um, and that's coming from an image that you've called f- usually from um, online or social yeah. media. Uh-huh. Can you walk us through like how these come together? Yeah. Well, so. Uh, I still sort of stick to this on canvas thing for most of them. So that's kind of an important component to me is that these are acrylic on canvas. These are on canvas. They're not yeah. on panels. They're on canvas on panel now. Oh, okay. <laughs> they used so it's to a be piece of canvas stretched over, over a panel. Over a panel. Okay. Um, and for a long time they were just, uh, you know, on stretcher bars. But I found that the acrylic kind of recedes into the canvas a little bit and kind of uh, causes like an indent. It kind mm-hmm. of collapses Mm -hmm. so I started doing the panel behind the canvas but I still stick to the canvas because I'm like a painting nerd sure sure and I want it to be paint on canvas Mm -hmm. but I'm sort of stretching it as far as Mm -hmm. I can and then um I'll draw I spend a lot of time like drawing out kind of like the charcoal like a grid and I I draw out the whole thing pretty carefully um on the canvas on the canvas and then uh, I usually do that by like printing out a version on paper Mm -hmm. gridding it and so i'm looking at this very like like uh i don't know (laughs) lo-fi kind of version of it and then between that i i look i start looking at the image on an ipad okay and i start going back and forth when i'm drawing it and then i start building up the acrylic often i'll mix pigment so i'm really building up with paint Mm -hmm. it's acrylic medium with pigment to get the the sort of molded sculptural Mm -hmm. um yeah. The relief part the of your relief. paintings, yeah. that's all acrylic. Yeah, okay. it's all acrylic. Um, yeah, and I'll be mixing pigment in. Sometimes on the larger scale, I won't make as, mix as much pigment mm-hmm. because it's kind of worthless because there's so many, you know, two or three layers that go into it, so uh-huh. it get lo- gets lost anyway. And are you sculpting with your hands, or is there, I like, looks like a knife maybe or something? I use plastic deli knives okay. with just the, the teeth cut off of them, uh-huh. so they're really smooth, uh-huh. and just build it... Um, build it up with those i mean yeah and you, you said earlier you have to work flat yeah so gravity is not your friend exactly and certain, totally. so you can't work on these while they're on the wall i can't until they're dry yeah right, until right, they're right. pretty much dry and that's had, another thing like when we we're emailing about me yeah. coming over you said i'm building up a thing right now and the fumes are intense yeah um let's wait so know, there's a smell, stink to these do you smell it at all no i don't okay, right now but um we worked on that one yesterday it's not to, I guess it's uh, we had so many fans going you can't smell it mm-hmm. really so is it I, I've always thought that acrylic didn't really kick off fumes well um, I don't know this has a high acrylic has resin it has a high resin content but mm-hmm. it's not like resin in the sense that like this uh, evaporates through water okay it's like based in water mm-hmm. so when the water slowly evaporates then it dries yeah so um, you're wearing a mask while you're working I'm on wearing this a stuff. mask yeah. yeah for sure and there's also ammonia which is part of the thickener that helps okay. it hold the peaks or whatever uh-huh. um, that can kind of be intense um, but it's not it's not toxic toxic right it's just very ir- it could be very irritating yeah and yeah. probably over the long term not good not for us. great yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not great uh, so once these are set once these are dry is that when you start uh, applying pigment um yeah i mean i'll often apply pigment in the under layers but oh, okay. i definitely paint on the surface mm-hmm. as well so so the, you, there's pigment as your sculpting it's yeah, not like often a, like a like a white mold s- that you paint sometimes it is on the bigger ones but just as i'm doing layers and then i have to paint 
on the surface of each layer uh -huh. so that I can see where to add more uh -huh. pigment if I mean more acrylic if that makes sense uh -huh. because I can't see what it looks like and where I need to add like a curve or something until I know and you can't really see that in just the white or right. just the clear right 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 and um is this a technique that you arrived at on your own through like a trial and error thing or did someone show you how to do this no I just I kind of came up with it um I mean you could you know uh golden has that heavy heavy acrylic heavy mm -hmm. body whatever you could use that and do the same thing that i'm doing i'm using gara which is a more industrial company mm -hmm. um and it's like the highest quality acrylic like it it has the highest resin so it could really really hold mm -hmm. if you put rocks in it it's like a really good adhesive um so i started using that because art gara who developed the medium was in my old studio building and he would give oh, okay. me a bunch of it um, but yeah, I just started experimenting with it, um, laying it out in sheets and cutting it. A lot of people kind of seem to do that with acrylic. Or, right, right, right. Um, I, I guess I ask because <clears throat> when I'm instructing a class, um, students often want to like show me the technique. How right. do, how do how I do, do that you? trick? Yeah. And I was just wondering if. Yeah. And the school I went to didn't really offer technique. It was yeah. more like content and ideas. Right. Um, and maybe there was opportunities to learn technical stuff, mm -hmm. but, uh, that was secondary and right. I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I, I was a, a sculpture painting double major in undergrad. Okay. I mean, I was a BA. It's yeah, not yeah, really yeah. serious, but I loved, do you remember the clay heads? Like, mm -hmm. do you have just like sculpt clay heads? And I was really loved that. And I thought I was like kind of good at it, mm -hmm. but I do have a depth thing. I have like a. I don't know. That sounds weird, but I have a like in in um in high school they give you that that test, the spatial relations test, vision or whatever test. vision, or like where you fold those squares together. They give you I like a, I never took the okay. Test. <laughs> they give you like a um, I do need to get my eyes checked. Oh no, it's okay. not a vision thing. It's uh, like uh, a, uh. it's called spatial relations. It's like the an unfolded cube and how would this look if it was folded up. Oh, that kind yes, of thing yes, yes, and yes. i i scored so high on that that they were like you need to be an architect they sent me to this like architecture special class wow. and stuff like that and i thought that it's actually just the way of saying your kid is probably an artist or like uh -huh. so i def but i have a like a spatial thing and so some of those skills that i have for rendering in three dimensions is and then the fooling around with the acrylic those things combined kind of gave me the skill yeah, it I sounds like you have intuition about this stuff. I know, yeah, that's yeah. kind of, yeah. That's great. I mean, that sounds lame, but. <laughs> no, no, no. No. Um, <laughs> it's a gift. I mean, these are the things that no. collide yeah, that exactly. result in the work yeah. that we make. Right, so exactly, exactly. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, when you meet someone, maybe at, a, at an opening or like at a party um, that is unfamiliar with you as an artist yeah. or the work that you make, and they ask what type of artist you are. Mm -hmm. Do you have a canned response or some way to handle that question? Um, yeah, I just say I make paintings with really, really heavy paint. Yeah. And of people's social media pictures. Okay. I mean, that's kind of the short. And that's the easiest way to access it, I mm -hmm. feel like. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> realistic, that... realistic, heavy paint. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. I, I feel like the, well, the first time I saw your work, and in preparing to coming by to see you, I was, I was thinking about beauty mm -hmm. and beauty modification, mm -hmm. um, um, identity stuff through social media, like mm -hmm. food pictures. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I guess the stuff I'm, I'm, I'm referring to is maybe the things you've been making the past couple of years, mm -hmm. which 
um, and I, there's probably stuff outside of it that you've been making, but it's it's these makeup pictures mm-hmm. and 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 food pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, so those things uh, come to mind, and also like the alluring aspects of how these things are presented in our social media feeds, like. There's a lot of makeup mm-hmm. um, pictures that you're working with. Mm-hmm. And even the food imagery that you use is almost styled. It's not just like a sandwich. It's mm-hmm. like composed and the colors are just such. And yeah, um, those seem like important themes in your work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And th- like the like this maybe a little bit of like superficiality with like makeup and how we present ourselves or like mm-hmm. confidence issues. And mm-hmm. I want to talk more into that. But am, am yeah. I am I misfiring on any of that? Is, are those? No, important I themes? think that's definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think the piece that's in there, too, is this kind of novice creator. Mm-hmm. I mean, not novice. That's not right. Um, maybe in the case of food photography, these are people who are constructing compositions yeah. based on either food photographs that they've seen in advertising yeah. or in their Art History 101 class. And they probably don't um, identify as artists. No, they don't. And it's almost subconscious. Like these, some of these compositions are really beautiful that people are, you know, photographing and they don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe they do, but it's, it's influenced by still life. Probably Mm -hmm. it's influenced by advertising. Yeah. I'm interested in that. And then the same thing with the, you know, the eyes is uh, this whole community of artists that talk about brushes that talk about pigment. Um, and are creating, you know, it's like creators. Yeah, yeah. You that know, was the next thing I was going to go into. Yeah, is just yeah. Like the sort of meta layers of the of the pictures you're making, especially the ones with the eyes mm-hmm. and the ones that you're showing us uh, an image of a of a makeup brush. Mm-hmm. You're making paintings of people painting themselves mm-hmm. with an eye that's looking back at us. Yeah, and it's this, exactly. It's this weird loop of mm-hmm. things that are interconnected. Yeah, for sure. It's like the painting is really trying to make itself. Well, that was the original idea, but then I, you know, I'm doing lips and I'm doing things that don't quite align as perfectly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that the eye is looking at you. The painting is trying to make itself while it's looking at you, and it wants you to like it. Mm-hmm. And um, were these, was that those layers that we just talked about? Was that something that you, you had in mind before you started making these? Or did those ideas sort of come out of the process itself with working with this imagery? Well, it's really interesting because one of the first ones I made with the really heavy acrylic was Chuck. You know Chuck Webster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a great chef. Like he loves to oh, cook. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah. I've cooked with him before. He's, he's awesome. That's an, atten- that's an adventure <laughs> in itself. Totally, totally. He's amazing. Um, and he had posted a picture picture on his instagram or on facebook or something of some ribs that he had made uh-huh. and there was it was abstract it was like this great composition and i sort of was like oh i'm gonna build this up with the acrylic because it just had such dimensionality i was like this mm-hmm. is perfect so i started working on these food things and then at the same time i was like gina is that all you're gonna do you're just gonna build these things up and mm-hmm. just paint them like what about if you built them up And then you painted the opposite on top. So I did this whole series of body paintings. Mm -hmm. And the initial one was, oh, these are breasts where there's a suit painted over the breast. Yeah, like those, that's like the swimsuit issue where they paint. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's a crap example. So, yeah, no, exactly. There's a whole little subculture world of that, So I have a whole part of my work that was like this tension between building up the surface and then painting the opposite on top. And, um, but then again, that's also another world of creators, like these, like go down that rabbit hole into body painting and mm-hmm. you're just like oh my god there's some insane stuff in there yeah. um but yeah that but yeah so i realized at a certain point that building up the acrylic is really a way to fight my impulse to 
over finish or make these photorealist. Mm -hmm. Like if I just had a canvas, these would be photorealist. The acrylic runs interference. Do you have that technical capacity to, I think to I, like make it I think it I do. Yeah, okay. I think so. Um, and the, the acrylic runs interference on that and right. kind of creates a language of, of my own. Uh, otherwise they would just be kind of photoreal and these are like no this is going to be in the way so you have to paint over it or you have to fix it or it kind of uh, it's a more of a challenge or a battle yeah yeah and all those things I think add a sincerity to the work oh, and a, a level of sophistication um, I don't know if you, you like yeah, if you that's... get feedback like oh this you know it's like pop culture imagery or yeah. like it's like of the moment and right. it's going to fade but there's yeah. something I feel like you're honoring this it's mm -hmm. not like a tongue-in-cheek like like i don't ironic. get a sense of irony from yeah this. maybe oh, there's some of yeah. that in there right and there's a humor component that's mm -hmm. important for me as i look at these mm -hmm. um but it's but it's um these pictures like are respecting the form that you're okay. tackling yeah for me. i'm not i'm not really yeah. making fun i'm actually like why not you know it's that yeah. classic thing why is this not also art mm -hmm. or why is yeah. this not uh also i've never seen a painting like this like uh, the structure of it, the composition. Mm -hmm. I want to see this painting. There's that one um, Jasper Johns with the like little half. Have you seen that one? It has a target and then it has like these half faces. Oh, car. I think carved in wood or wax. Uh -huh. It's in the MoMA. But yeah. um, I remember always thinking about that piece and just being it wasn't so conscious, but just like, yeah, why isn't there more of that or more of this like Americana kind of relief? Yeah, because I had always gone, you know, we lived outside dc when i was in high school and we mm -hmm. would go to the natural the museum of um american art mm -hmm. which has a lot of um visionary art and a lot of self-taught naive and yeah yeah and there's tons of relief yeah you know i was just thinking do you know yeah. do you know red grooms yes, yeah 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 like yeah he's an artist that comes yeah, to mind right absolutely um, the content is much different but how it's presented is, yeah. is very familiar and it's very tied to narrative mm -hmm. so a sto it's much more it goes on the other tip of like modernism and abstraction and then this is more narrative and and self-taught and kind of accessible and mm -hmm. more americana and outsider yeah. i think i just had a quick question kind yeah. of going back to process do you have a rule with how far off you're going to make these things like oh, the that's depth? a really good question yeah because um, i feel like there's maybe an urge to like like push it like yeah. i'm going to make this come off I'd say like these these yeah. float within like the half inch range, yeah. inch, but like, are you ever like, I'm gonna go six inches out? Yeah, or does that like become like a one liner or something? Like, no, or no, too much? I think that um, yeah, I think it would need probably two to three months to dry. Yeah, so that's maybe part of it. Or um, different materials altogether, which would change things. Yeah, different materials. Yeah. I know I'm stuck to this acrylic. Yeah, I mean, there's always possibilities that things could go in different directions. Mm -hmm. I do kind of see a certain depth. And then when I look at the actual photograph, and I, that's an interesting question. I don't, yeah. Sometimes though, like on these big ones, I want, I feel like the larger the actual panel is, the bigger the relief has to be. Yeah, it has Otherwise, to be within scale. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, it has to, you know, so sometimes I've done really thick ones on like a little 12 by 12, and it's like so satisfying mm -hmm. because, you know, that proportion is really good. That's a so, good realization. Yeah. It took me a while when I like tried to, start making bigger stuff mm -hmm. i didn't change the size of my tool uh, so it was like i mean there's yeah. a lot of line in my work mm -hmm. and i was using like 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 a number two pencil on this right. you know five by seven foot thing and it yeah. was totally lost it wasn't right. it was like oh i have to f scale up it's, yeah my totally. mark making whatever tool i'm using to sort of be appropriate with the the scale of the 
totally the dimension i'm working in so yeah that makes no sense. that's yeah um you said you spent you were in dc around high school mm-hmm. and i know that you um grew up in parts of europe as mm-hmm. well you were born yeah. in greece born in athens yeah born in athens yeah um what why were you in athens and then dc and well, my dad is, is, was in the State Department. He was a Foreign Service officer. Okay. Um, and he's actually Greek-American, okay. went to Greek school every day, speaks fluent Greek. So that was one of his first posts. Um, Do you speak and Greek? I just happened, no, no, I just happened to be born there. It was kind okay. of like a happy accident. Um, and they had been in Germany. He speaks German, too. Denmark. We went to Denmark in middle school. I was in Malaysia when I was a kid. You know, we, oh, wow. And they always, you go to a foreign country, and then they bring you back to the U.S. for like three or four years because they don't want you to forget that you're American. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's always very chaotic because you're back and forth um, between these cultures. And, and I remember like in middle school just asking him like, am I Greek? Am I Danish? What country? Where am I from? Huh. You know, and I was always in Denmark. I was the only American in my 30 person cl- eighth grade class. So mm-hmm. I was like, who am I? What right. I, you know, pre-internet. Like, yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask like, like if, <laughs> if, 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 that, if like growing up in all those different places was positive or yeah if some conflict i think involved. it's both i mean it's yeah. it's great i mean great exposure and like a real worldview kind of thing mm-hmm. um terrible i think on relationships and like being a loner you're automatically just a loner because you're like you have to kind of make your own way yeah there's a lot of things that'll separate you language yeah cultural norms totally um, and yeah, then just being sure. separated like not grow and anyone who moves around a lot you know where you don't grow up with the same group of friends mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff um, absolutely. And I think I always, I like idolized the U S like I, I had a little bit of that experience of what it was like. It's probably less so now because everything's so global, but like in the eighties, the idea of the United States is this like pop culture. You want to copy everything the Americans were doing. Right, right, right. And that might know. also be connected to, um, how old we were in the eighties. Yeah, like we yeah. were very hooping, I think. Mm-hmm. And like, we were very wet totally. clay, not to yes. use a, like a yes. bad sculptural term. <laughs> no, totally. No, we were, we um, were very like, yeah, like trying acrylic or something. Yeah. No, totally. Um, but I think it's funny because sometimes there's an, a really American poppiness to my work that mm-hmm. sometimes feels like I still embrace all that stuff. I embrace TV. I embrace pop culture in this way that I feel like in the art world, there's, there's segment, you know, there's a group obviously that does, but it just occurred to me recently that there are a lot of people in the art world that came to the art world to escape all of that Mm -hmm. because they grew up in the U S but because I didn't, I still haven't gotten enough of it. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Where, where, can you cite some early, um, influences, uh, art wise for your, your, you when you were a kid? Yeah. I'm always curious, like where, where, where the, where the gateway was. Right. Sure. My mom was an art teacher and an artist and always had a studio in the home and stuff. So that was kind of like, I always wanted to be different. What type of artist was she? Well, she kind of does everything. I okay. mean, she was she did an ab- abstract painting at one point. She does landscapes. She took a she's a really masterful Chinese brush painter because oh, wow. when we were in Malaysia, she did all. So, mm-hmm. um, huge influence in that. Um, yeah. So my mom, and then like Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it sounds so dumb, but the idea of texture or or a surface on a painting that's like where that started. Sure, sure. Um, and and I think. The, I mean, that kind of impressionist, like if you saw my middle school, high school bedroom, it was all like impressionist posters. Really? And, like, oh, cool. <laughs> shocking. I know, like every... I had like Michael Jordan posters. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I had a Michael Jackson poster too. Yeah. But like, you know, I was really into... Um, and I think when I think about the impressionists, I think about that. I mean, they're really kind of like mm-hmm. the first pop artists, right? Because they're, they're like, hey, look at this like leisure class, like out by, you know, let's just show culture. Yeah. Let's just show 
kind of what the people are doing. Yeah, I also, yeah, I think also like our access to those um, big name artists, impressionist artists, uh, um, is easier in places outside of big cosmopolitan cities. Oh yeah, that's a good Um, point. Yeah, like it's 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 not a um great term but sometimes i refer to those artists as calendar artists because yeah. i always had oh, the calendar yes. in our household that yeah. was like a picture of van gogh a picture of matisse for january <laughs> you know <laughs> totally, totally. and that was sort of my introduction to something beyond comic books yeah so it yeah. makes sense so, that, so yeah, you yeah, had yeah. that in your life too no absolutely um, That's the gateway drug yeah drug. The calendar, yeah. <laughs> the impressionist <laughs> totally. Calendar. And when you look at those, because like when I went to the Art Institute, you know, you could run over to the museum and look at their fabulous collection mm-hmm. and think it's hard to see past some of that stuff now because you've seen it so much. It's like that pop song that played mm-hmm. so much on the radio. You can't even hear it. Yeah. But to see how incredibly kind of simple and clear those works were now, they look like umbrellas and flowy dresses and mm-hmm. they're they're so trite in mm-hmm. this way but at the time that they how revolutionary and also just how crystal clear that message was like um about life and i'm 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 showing this thing that really hasn't been seen right. so much i'm opening right. this door to this cultural moment yeah you know so you went to graduate school in chicago yeah. at, the art, at the art institute and you went to did you study art in undergrad too i did i was pre-med um okay. at uva <laughs> in virginia charlottesville uh, right? charlottesville yeah. and so I went about a year with that and was like, oh, my dear God, like weed me out of these classes because they start the year off saying a certain percentage of you will be weeded out. Mm -hmm. And you're like, please, not me. And by the end of the year, I was like, please weed me out. I want to be weeded out. And I was like (laughs) lost. And did you um, want to be a doctor at that time? I wanted to be a pediatrician. I don't know. So like young, you know, I'm so clueless and young and protected and kind of hidden, you know, like. I don't know what I was doing and I was good in science and I don't think we're supposed to know what we're doing right at that age. I don't know. So I I was really good in science and math in high school. And so I thought, Oh, this will translate to this large public institution that has much smarter math and science people than me. And I had like (laughs) no discipline. I was away from home for the first time partying and like, yeah, it was kind of a disaster. So Mm -hmm. I started taking though anthropology. I loved Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, take an art class. And I'd always fought it up to that point because she was an artist. And so I had been in theater. And um, I was like, oh, God, am I going to become my mom? <laughs> I took a class and I was like hooked. And it was a BA. And um, But I had some crazy colorful teachers. Um, Bill Bennett, who had been friends with like the talking heads at RISD. Oh, cool. Um, it was like a wild man sculptor, you know, taught me how to weld and not, you know. This is in Virginia or Chicago? At, at UVA. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is kind of, you know, I was really into it. But I was also, I also majored in anthropology, mm-hmm. which I think if you don't have a BFA, some kind of critical studies match up or double major like that is really good. Like, yeah. Um, because it gave me a lot of critical thinking. And then I went to the Art Institute. I took a couple years off and then went to, sh- into to Chicago. Chicago. And was there a, like a um, a breakthrough moment or a big takeaway from graduate school? Like if you could put your like yeah. the most useful thing that you took from that experience, mm-hmm. something come to mind? I think that like graduate school is, I th- it took me a long time to realize that it's a bunch of different voices with different sort of trajectories and historical references, you know, mm-hmm. their own paths telling you what they think 
and making you aware of these different it's like you're on a road here are all these different exits mm -hmm. these are all the exits you can get off at any one mm -hmm. or you can just like forge your own little off you could just off road bushwhack yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you don't have to you don't have to follow the one that i'm letting you know about um but here they are like uh -huh. here's that so i think that's what was most useful to me was like that knowledge of like these are all the possible conversations and things people could think and ways that it could go and mm -hmm. then you know but also to reject a lot of what i learned or a, a lot of like i was stuck on this one thing that galen gerber had said which was like you know that looks like a lot of work hmm. you know about something that i had done that was like kind of obsessive the labor aspect, the labor yeah. and then just being like well what is a lot of work is 40 hours a lot of work on yeah. a painting not really yeah. i mean is it for some people maybe yeah but for other people no you know so just like rejecting stuff i, I by the time our art school was done i was like i have to get out of the institution i just mm -hmm. had this over people were applying for like residencies and stuff like that i was like no i just need to be out on my own i i don't want anyone i just felt kind of oppressed by that i felt yeah. like there was probably a lot of competition in the department that i didn't even really understand as competition i just thought it was this shitty feeling was it were you in the painting department yeah okay yeah and so. were you, were you the, was the work you were making then similar to now or was it different it was all um it was abstract pot it was like the surfboard what would what you'd see on the side of a van or on the on a surfboard uh -huh. or like a skateboard okay. kind of um, modernist but fluorescent and tape and spray paint and this was like 2000 right 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 <laughs> I thought I was the only person in the world using spray paint and tape. And then, <laughs> <laughs> but that was like pre-internet before yeah. you could go on and be like, yeah. oh, there are 500 yeah. other people doing yeah. this. But yeah. so um, is there that's interesting. I'm wondering. I, I guess I'm curious what led you to this. Is there like I'm a firm believer in the in the artist walking a crooked path mm -hmm. to get to the stuff that they're working on. Right. Absolutely. So from where I'm sitting, this all makes sense. Like uh, pre-med, mm -hmm. pediatrician, no, anthropology. So that's sort of <laughs> so, opening up like a, yeah, a way a of cultural. looking at the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then um, um, taking painting classes at UVA and then like making this type of work that they you didn't quite like. I'm curious, like what turn mm -hmm. helped you get or like right. when this started happening? Mm -hmm. Because this feels at this point like Gina Beavers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's because I was, you know, when I got into art school or into grad school, I was making like underground comics. Like you were saying that you were really into comics. Yeah. So I was into underground comics like Twisted Sisters and Julie Doucet. Do you know? I don't no. know. You should look. They're I'll so check them fantastic. Um, so I was making a lot of hand-drawn stuff. And it was really wild and kind of in your face and stuff. And then by the end of grad school, I was making like abstract paintings. So it was like this obviously had been tamed, you know, I had been, I, there was a huge shift there. Mm -hmm. And so I think like my time after grad school, I started to like come back to that wildness, but having brought in some of the, the lessons that I learned from like just making sort of formal abstract work for a while. Mm -hmm. So there's like, there's wildness but there's also some constraints on it mm -hmm. you know um so yeah i came back to where i was i think more or less right for grad school no no is, that makes sense is that used you know yeah 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 uh but um yeah and there i think what happened is that i was actually i was making abstract work but it was 
pop. It was based in advertising and pop culture. It was like pop abstraction. Okay. And it was kind of like um, caricatures of abstraction. That's okay. kind of how I thought about it. Okay. When I look back on it now, I thought it was deadly serious. But when right. I look back, I'm like, no, you were still kind of messing around and kind of thumbing your your nose at abstraction sure. through sure. this. So. Sure. Um, maybe this is a good place to talk about how you utilize image reference. Um, from what I know, social media imagery is important, mm -hmm. and you find a lot of the images that mm -hmm. you work from on things like Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. What's your criteria for selecting an image? That's so, yeah, so hard. I mean, I have a couple things that I know about the paintings, like with the eye tutorials. I like when there are brushes and pencils because so you look for those like I like you're those. going through them and yeah oh, there's a brush I'm gonna pull that I one kind off. of yeah I okay. like brushes and pencils because they refer back to right. art making mm -hmm. I like them when they cast a shadow mm -hmm. because then it looks like they're floating mm -hmm. um, I like a kind of dead eye look in the model like kind of this thing where they're looking at you but they're kind of staring into the middle distance there's something haunted or dead right <laughs> there are certain things you know I've gotten pretty good about certain things that I look for because um, there's thousands of images so it's like you know what is what's interesting about certain ones mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious and I also noticed that um, there's a one-to-one -one correspondence with the format of your pictures mm -hmm. the square Instagram format mm -hmm. is correlating to the most yeah. of the pieces you're making right, right are they all right. square actually all of these are okay. yeah I do I sometimes don't I mean and now of course Instagram is not necessarily square anymore right um, but uh, for some reason the tutorials tend to still be really square and they're gridded um, you're using that that grid mm -hmm. in your work too now so mm -hmm. there's a sequential component mm -hmm. a step-by-step and, step. Animation. and yeah, animation and that's one class I had taken in grad school actually was animation so I think that there's an element of that yeah have you ever wanted to try and make an animation yeah I mean I use I not not le not legitly right. but like I I, d I used to you know I used to fool around with that a little it bit it seems like the components are there yeah. I mean like a stop animation thing. Yeah, uh, for Not sure. unlike what, um, you know, the California Raisins do. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that that could be interesting. Them. Oh, my God. Yeah. So good. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting, and I think this is, uh, I read this in another interview you did, but um, you like that image reference allows you, like makes a lot of decisions for you, so you yeah. don't have to make those decisions. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, like it's already giving you a completed form yeah um so you don't really have to make decisions about uh i mean i guess you have to decide when it's done mm -hmm. because on something realistic you could theoretically go forever mm -hmm. to make it more and more perfect right um so yeah but i like i like i like that i like that box of yeah. working inside that kind of finite thing yeah um, i'm not like an expressionist like right. i'm not going to stand in front of a blank canvas and be like what is this going to look like? Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, I, I'm Waiting always, for the feeling. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> surprised by the end result. Like, even though I know I'm looking at a photograph, right. the experience of being in front of them, and I think it has to do with this idea of real versus not real mm -hmm. or um, kind of like a puppet thing that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always kind of Or caricature surprised. of the thing you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. word earlier. It has something to do with, yeah. Um, and even, yeah, I mean, uh, I imagine I can relate. Like, there's moments where... Um, I can remember working from reference material, and it takes some pressure off because mm -hmm. you s it, you 
don't have to expend that brain power to to make that formal decision and that allows you to work a little bit longer so yeah um, even the color palette is established for mm -hmm. you that you're working on that must for sure do you ever um do the step-by-step -step stuff on yourself oh my god you know what the, i have the, recently the, had makeup, makeup? done because mm -hmm. i'm not a big weight makeup wearer and mm -hmm. i had it done for like this event which was like way over the top and i shouldn't have i hated it <laughs> really hated it like i looked like I looked horrible. Like the place where I had it done, the, the lighting was so awful. I was like, yeah. I look, and I took pictures in the cab that looked like something from a, you know, some busted girl in the back of a, it just, or like, old, oh God, it was awful. <laughs> and then, but actually in the photographs at the event, everything was fine because I guess that's what you have to do is like kind of overdo it so that people can even see your eyes. Mm -hmm. I hated taking the makeup off. It was like, it was as though I had had clown makeup on. Right. It took me forever to get yeah. it off. I was like, get this shit off my face. Yeah, yeah. It was horrible. I have so, family members that wear makeup yeah. and I'm always like, there's, it's such a, a commitment. I think yeah. I used that word earlier, but like putting it on and then taking it off. We yeah, don't think like about that. It's, it's yeah. a lot of work or even like, we do face paint in our house during mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Halloween or yeah. like little parties with the kids and getting that stuff off it's is no a nightmare. It's no different than face paint. It's just matched to your skin tone mm -hmm. or something, but it's exactly the same thing. It's like a mask. And I don't mean to, I don't, you know, I think it's a really fascinating thing and I know there are people who wear it. I don't mean to judge it in that way. Yeah. I'm just saying like personally, it was pretty funny because I was like, oh fuck, am I like not, you know, is this... I wish I had never done it in a way. <laughs> so you could separate because, yourself from the yeah, work that you make? Yeah, because now I'm like, I just don't want to. You're in too you deep. <laughs> here's a tricky one. Yeah. If you could have a dream studio visit. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, I like it, yeah. And you could have anyone in here to hang out with. And you don't even necessarily have to talk about your work, but just like, someone that you'd love to spend some time with they could be yeah. alive or dead it could be an artist or non-artist yeah does someone come to mind i think probably mike kelly mike kelly yeah cool um you know that combination of just complete um access to american culture and life and mm -hmm. be able to speak on that level and music and all that and then such an incredible intellectual mm -hmm. that those two things together would be like yeah amazing to hang out with him because you could talk to him on so many different yeah. levels you know i feel like i could imagine you guys bouncing ideas back and forth <laughs> no, having a nice volley <laughs> yeah um what about showing this stuff mm -hmm. um do you remember the first time you put a piece up in a public space w was it a gallery or um i know people like <laughs> a coffee shop uh, coffee shop yeah, yeah a yeah. coffee shop at uba yeah yeah was it <laughs> was it your work amongst other people's work? Or no, it was just a like little solo show. Little show yeah, solo show I had asked shop. them. Yeah, at the coffee shop, and it was still like this. Sounds so weird, but it was like um, it had white walls, which at that point was like really cutting edge for a, a coffee shop. Yeah, I was gonna because, say usually it's like a natural. Yeah, like, like or at that the '90s coffee shop. Remember those that had like old furniture and like and before coffee shops became this kind of like really hipster like uniform yeah. like when you mentioned 90s wood. coffee shop and furniture i thought of friends <laughs> yes the coffee totally. shop that sitting at. totally yeah. well this was this coffee shop that it was like on the cutting edge it had white walls it was like 90 when the, would that have been like oh my god the mid 90s sometime. Mm -hmm. yeah was it did it feel good were you excited yeah were you i think nervous? i was always yeah i was always really excited to like i was super ambitious i mean 
when I decided where I was going to grad school, like I just opened up U.S. News and World Report and was mm-hmm. like, what's the top grad school in the country going to apply? And I was like, how old was I? Oh, my God. I was like 21. Uh-huh. Like the hubris. Like, like who the hell did I think I was? I was like, OK, so I applied to Yale Art Institute. I got an interview at Yale and then didn't get in. Uh-huh. Got into the Art Institute. I was like, all right, I'm going. Uh-huh. But like, who the hell did I think I was? I think I just... I loved making art and I was like the king of my little like down like Charlottesville. Yeah, I wasn't really there was like no scene there. But mm-hmm. in my mind, I was I don't know. I had a studio underneath this movie theater on the like main strip. Cool. In Charlottesville and like would sit down there and make these artworks. Did you have a little opening at the coffee shop or was it just the work was up for like a month and they switched it out? I don't think out? I had an opening. No. I don't think I could have found like five people who would come to like an <laughs> opening. I was so alone. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. What yeah. about what about the first time you showed work after graduate school? Mm, first work after graduate school, yeah, I don't. Um, that's a really good. Oh, I might have done an open studio. Okay. Um, or I did something. I remember when John Lutz got in touch with me. You know, from Sardine. Um, and in he, Bushwick. Yeah, yeah. He had a site, um, and he got in touch with me through Facebook, and was like, "I really like your work." And I was like, "Oh my god! Yeah. This is it. Yeah. This is it." Because I felt so like off the grid or whatever um actually maybe eddie showed my work he showed my work in boston in a group show that might have been the first time i think yeah. you and i were in a show together that yeah. eddie put together at dodge yeah. gallery oh yeah dodge in, in uh like on rivington street yeah, totally. uh, it's no longer there anymore but yeah i'm sure it was one of those all of those things felt like but that was like 2013 or 20 oh okay that was more that was, recent. That was more recent yeah but. eddie was one of the first ones to show my work and and take it seriously and mm-hmm. be like i think this is really interesting yeah eddie eddie martinez who we're talking yes. about he's, he's a, a great connector totally he was um, amazing i don't yeah. i i don't i didn't know anyone in the art world until i met eddie mm-hmm. and, so. yeah it's important to like have those people in your lives that sort yeah, of introduce no, you and for sure um like give you that confidence just totally. to like go out totally um, what about um um you know you've you've got a a pretty deep exhibition history at this point you've shown at a lot of different places um and you've had some some impressive solo exhibitions thank you do you ever um get asked to be in a group show or do a show and and, and you can't do it for whatever reason like i'm i'm curious about scruples uh-huh. and when people get to a point where they're either too busy or mm-hmm. or whatever the reason is for not taking the show on do you ever say no i mean i do and usually it's just like i don't have anything and i can't make that happen Mm -hmm. i can't make it happen or it's just unreal unrealistic or scheduling wise that's like 99 percent of the time Mm -hmm. and then maybe there's a little bit of like i heard that guy's kind of shady yeah or whatever yeah i mean (laughs) those are once in a while you're like i don't know what this you know those are important things to consider is like like is this person a good human being right and do i want them representing my work or trying to sell it totally then, are they just doing shady stuff right away yeah. or they're not going to take care of it mm-hmm. or like um i don't know i can't i i don't usually say no unless um sometimes there have been things like you know things you want to participate in because it's all the right reasons and they're all good people and stuff or it's like a one-night show or like right. we're doing this thing and you're just like i can't I don't have time or I can't you right. know, find work for that or, yeah. um, and a lot of those things tend to come up really last minute. Yeah. It's like at a certain point, I think you get to a point where you can't do last minute so well, right. or I used to be able, that was it. I could right. do last minute so easily because I had, sh- I had tons of stuff that I could be like, yeah. I was so excited to be asked. And I think in the, 
in the beginning saying yes to everything that was what helped me mm -hmm. i mean i had for a long time applied to things i have like, like open calls or? like open calls okay. like i had a black folder where i'd put all my rejections i never for years never got into anything i was like hmm this isn't working yep. maybe i should go meet a couple people and see about getting something going like maybe we could do a show together or you know and i always found that that was like um, in 2010, I did this whole big thing. I had a book club. I started an art book club with mm -hmm. a bunch of artists, and we did a show. I anytime you feel like, ugh, I'm getting stuck, is like a DIY thing. Like yeah. let's put on a show. Let's do this, and then automatically you feel just like this regenerative thing, and and you feel awesome. And sometimes that's the most fun that you have in the art world. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I'm I'm a big proponent of the self-produced show. Totally. The artist space mm -hmm. operation, as you know. 100%. Those yeah. often feel way more honest to me than mm -hmm. Yeah. You absolutely. know, a commercial gallery, yeah. not not to discredit that or or anything those are important as well, but I often come out of the DIY show. Even, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. 40 years old, like yeah. I'm I'm not like a 20-year-old right. anymore. Um, those I, I come out of there feeling like this is why I'm an artist. So great, yeah. it's so great. Yeah, um, it feels really good. That's nice to hear. Yeah. Um, and I was going to ask like what sort of advice you might give to a younger person that's trying mm -hmm. to get get into shows, but it sounds like you, you sort of just did that. Like, yeah, just go. Post I just show. go out, or, or yeah, exactly, and go out and meet people. I remember I was like kind of like a mercenary about it. Like, I'm going to go to these openings, and sometimes like people will be like, "Do you want to go to openings together?" which is fine now. Like I'll totally do that. But at a certain point I wouldn't do that. I would just go by myself because mm -hmm. it would be like, I'm going to go to this opening. It sounds so crazy, like out of a self-help book, but like I'm going to leave this opening and I will have met one person. Like I'm not leaving until I meet one person. You had a list of goals. I had, yeah, it was yeah. like, I'm going to meet one person. And I, sometimes it would be like that drunk who just comes to open <laughs> drink the beer and yeah. I'm like stuck talking to this like maniac but it really got me like out of my shell like talking to people mm -hmm. and in the end like being out there and meeting people was what helped me actually show you know yeah. and, and getting references through other friends to galleries you know like that was all part yeah. of it so it's such a huge thing and I encourage especially like for women to not go with your best friend to an opening and like talk to her the whole time right <laughs> to go by yourself right. and try to meet people because um or don't talk to all the people you know. Like, try to meet some other people. Like, openings aren't really necessarily... Like, go hang out with your friends. Go to a movie. Hang out. But, like, sometimes meeting new people and expanding your... That can really um, uncover... Oh, God, it's... I just sound like I'm just saying, like, network or something. Like, Well, network, these things are important. But it is. It's kind of the, important. The social you, aspect of what we do has... Particularly, has yes. power. Totally. Particularly if your work is having trouble getting traction. People yeah. do not like your work <laughs> but doesn't mean your work is necessarily bad yeah. but like these open calls they don't get it or they right. don't or you feel like they don't get it then you have to kind of make people get it yeah i would say maybe north of 80 percent of my exhibition opportunities have been either through social stuff or mm -hmm. just referrals from friends that are mm -hmm. a little more along than i am 100 yeah so having like having an openness to that way mm -hmm. of navigating I mm -hmm. think is important Absolutely. I would agree with you and I think it doesn't have to be like I was kind of an introvert I mean if you can believe that because now I feel like I can't shut my mouth but <laughs> but it, you don't you know oh I feel like I'm an introvert I can't do that well no it's just something you learn by going out and hanging out mm -hmm. you know and you become a lot more chill and able mm -hmm. to do it so I guess on that front is there any advice you'd give to your younger self 
um like maybe yeah, the f- yeah. W- w- no i think i was really afraid i mean i got out of grad school and kind of cast my cast around madly for five or six years had a day job was afraid to put myself out there and you know what cured me of it i realized i spent 12 years teaching in the public schools where mm-hmm. i failed every single day for sometimes for weeks like what do you mean failed like Oh, I was going to teach this lesson. Oh, it ended in a fight. I mean, I had such failure at that job so consistently that I think I just learned to not, I just, failure is a part of life. I just Mm -hmm. learned to fail so horribly, Mm -hmm. so consistently that I feel less afraid of it now. And I think I was really afraid. I had been like, you know, successful. I'd gotten into good school and I had been, and I was afraid of failing. And I think I just, I did all of these things to stop myself from pursuing stuff um, at a certain point um, beyond that's why I got stuck on that like applying for things because I'd always gotten them yeah and all of a sudden I wasn't getting anything and like um, so yeah a fear of putting yourself out there mm-hmm. so I, I don't know how to rid yourself of that except to put yourself in a situation where you just fail constantly yeah and you learn that it's really not the end of the world yeah, and yeah. recontextualizing failure as a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah. I, I, that's something that I that I try and pass along to students when that's I'm teaching great. for yeah, sure. That's really great. The upside of a failure, failure. And, and in some ways, there ends up not being a failure. Yeah, like you start to look at things as not even failures because you learned they're actually just. I mean, it sounds like a freaking poster that you put on the wall but like you don't even look at them like that anymore. Mm-hmm. You just look at it like, oh, this and this happened, and I learned this and. This is because of this. Yeah, no, there's great, there's great truth to that. Yeah, it doesn't feel personal or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you just started talking about um, your your experience teaching, and you're a, a public school art teacher. Mm-hmm. For uh, yeah, for two years I was like regular ed, okay. and then I transferred to a school like ten minutes away that needed an art teacher, and, and I was like, I'm giving this a year. If this isn't better than regular ed, then I'm out. Uh-huh. And so. you did that for ten years. Yeah, I did art teaching for 10. Yeah. And high school? Middle school. Middle middle school? Yeah, it was actually K to 8. And then by the end, it was all middle right. school. And and this is uh, a public middle school mm-hmm. in the Canarsie section of Brooklyn? Yeah. What did that feel like? Was that, I mean, yeah. there's such a narrative out there about mm-hmm. the the public school system nationwide, but yes. specifically here in New yes. York City. Yes, yeah. What, how did, how, what was it like from where you were standing as someone that was actually on the ground? I mean... The system is so brutal. Mm-hmm. The system, the public school system, particularly down. in New York, is just hard on teachers. It's hard on kids. It's it's so hard on parents. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just um, there were so many things that we did that had nothing to do with the kids or the or the well being of the kids or like children first or any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and these these huge school systems are such targets for the testing companies and for textbook companies. It's a business. It's a business because there's such a huge market. And big contracts. Yes. And you just feel like that. All your meetings are sitting around learning about the new thing, that the new textbook you're using or the new program that we're going to use because we threw out last year's because we had to buy the new one. Yeah. Because otherwise they're not, you know, that kind of stuff that makes you, um, yeah, it's that part of it is just horrible. And there, there are things that, replicate themselves like I was at a title uh, one school which is like 90% or more have uh, kids who have free lunch Mm -hmm. so there were all low income families Mm -hmm. you know so there were all sorts of issues that replicated like I one of my biggest insights was like discipline in the school Um, 
when you think about like police policing mm-hmm. and then the school what i would see happen in the school i think is exactly what happens in the community which is like sorry now i'm going off on a whole no, other no, tangent but um kids who did relatively small things like wore a hat would get detention or suspension even right. kids who got in a fight in the lunchroom because that would make the school look bad mm-hmm. would get put back in your class in the afternoon because they don't want to suspend them because then it makes it look like a violent school or whatever. Right. So good kids end up getting punished. So they are suspicious of authority and mm-hmm. of, um, and then meanwhile you have a handful of kind of troublemakers who just get away with it. And yeah. I think that's exactly what happens in communities. You know, you yeah. don't actually police the really serious stuff because you don't want your, your district to look like your it has high crime, your stats yeah. to be high. And so people are victims of these horrible crimes. And then at the same time, you're going out, uh, you know, on Halloween and rounding up innocent people and putting them in right. jail for the night because you, you know, or you're harshly telling people to leave the corner or whatever. Um, they're so, you know, yeah. totally innocent people. So then they have no respect or trust for you. It's anyway. tragic and backwards. Yeah, that's I mean that. And so that all aspects of school, I constantly dealt with discipline and and i mean discipline or respect or Mm -hmm. listening all of these issues that and it's all about respect that that kids don't they feel like they're not listened to they feel like they're not respected and it's every i mean that's everywhere that's america yeah (laughs) it's america i mean but there's a lot of parallels to that and what's broader like going on in a more broader way for sure um, anyway um i guess real quick still on the teaching aspect um when you were in the uh art classroom with the kids were you uh ever making stuff that felt like this were you like doing lessons with kids that oh, sort I of totally, were like yeah like molded paintings or we'd anything? Use, like, i'm just curious like if you yeah, breathe would, yourself into the project well i do that more now that when people ask me to come and be a visiting artist or something mm-hmm. i will legit like we'll do some programs whether with clay or like that paper mache pulp mm-hmm. we'll do versions of my work um it, it was a more difficult thing to do, like in the classroom. Um, I had 700 students, so it wouldn't always yeah. be one to one. But I definitely that's overwhelming. I definitely by the end <laughs> of my students. yeah by the end of my time there, it was completely student centered. The kids decided what they wanted to learn, mm-hmm. what projects we were going to do. We voted on it. We came up with it was all them because I was yeah. like, I'm tired of saying like you. And then I would bring in references to things and show them artwork and stuff, but. I wanted it to just because I felt like they all they do is bubble in. Yeah. You know, did they respond well? Yeah, it was like that, awesome. It that seems was like awesome. a democratic process. Yeah, it was 100 percent democratic. Yeah. And it's yeah. really how how art, how artists function. Once you get outside on your own, you decide what mm-hmm. you want to make. You decide what you want to learn. Yeah. So why not have the kids doing that? Yeah. You know, and I imagine it felt amazing when you connected with a percentage of the students and they like they clicked and yeah. they, they got into it and they yeah. you saw like that trend that right, transformation that, totally and it's um, hard to put back in the bottle because yeah. you might have something where like today we have to work on this thing for so-and-so's class because they yeah. want a mural we don't want to do yeah. a mural <laughs> you know it's like it's a hard thing to like oh no but we want to work on this thing yeah. we're well we have to make some you know so but yeah it was it was great it, that really changed my classroom and changed the whole way i thought about teaching mm-hmm. and i became sort of like a facilitator yeah to like just help them what do you need oh we need this kind of material because this you know we need to make this thing yeah. and can you find this for us and, yeah you know it's awesome it's it's, awesome. it's a great thing and i think it goes underappreciated sometimes that the transformative totally. component of 
when a kid like opens up in that way totally um, and i love that i have to say too as a teacher so much less exhausting yeah well it also like makes it like oh my flow. day was worthwhile yeah you're going with their flow instead of fighting them yeah yeah um <laughs> That's great stuff. The uh, uh, another a reoccurring theme in these recordings is the the artist is problem solver. Yes, and I think um, hearing how artists resolve bad days in the studio or problems with their artwork mm -hmm. or like when things aren't working is of huge value to other artists out there, be they successful or st still like coming like figuring out what type of artist they want to be. But like hearing those stories of how artists. Um, fix things for themselves mm -hmm. it's great so do you have any any strategies or systems in place for when you have a bad day in studio or when um you know the materials aren't working like i wonder if like how you yeah, handle how that situation really, i mean my biggest con or stumbling block is just like getting distracted mm -hmm. and not working as much on something like whether it's because my phone i mean let's just be real it's yeah. because my phone yeah um <laughs> So that's that one. Um, so what I've started doing, I have a timer yeah. and I am like, it's called, uh, I think it's Wolf or Howler or something. You put it on your computer and it it's like, I have a timer that goes off like, or I time myself when mm -hmm. I'm working. Like you have to get eight hours of work done or six hours of work or whatever it is. Um, and I watch myself. I kind of like watch when I'm, how productive. And that's not necessarily like, it's one thing to be like kind of like casting around looking at things and being related to the work in a non you know non-productive way or not mm -hmm. you're not actually building something but you're looking at resources or that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about being on twitter or like instagram or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh so that's like the biggest thing and and i think if things are frustrating leaving them starting something new mm-hmm <laughs> yeah leaving it i mean unless you're on a deadline you just have to make it work sometimes mm -hmm. it's like that thing that lauren michaels like the show doesn't go on because it's ready the show goes on because it's 11 30. Right, right right sometimes when you have shows and you have deadlines and stuff like that you you don't have a lot of time to like you're just like well that one's going yeah. on stage i don't know if it's ready but it's just going i don't know so sometimes that's and you good move on to the next one and you just start again you yeah. just start your next thing yeah. but but i think if you're feeling frustrated leave it find something that's what i usually do start something new yeah just do Put and then down. you come back you come back to it and you're like oh that wasn't so bad mm -hmm. or just leave it for the night like sometimes you just have to call it it's like this is a shitty day yeah do you ever quit on a painting like it you, you're like halfway and you're like this is shit it's not working out and scrap it and I start have or, do you, or do you push these through and like I usually, wrestle with them until I they're where you them, need them to be i get, usually get them yeah um yeah, I get them where they have to be n like 90% of the time. I have one like chicken painting that's like hanging out in the back there that I just like for whatever reason was never able to just be interested in at a certain point. It's a painting like, of a chicken? It's like a chicken legs. Oh, okay. Oh, oh food, right. <laughs> it's like a food painting. Yeah. And it's like a pretty cool painting, but I just like, I don't know, I was like not into it. And so it just sat there and then eventually got moved into the back. Mm -hmm. But I don't do that too often. And sometimes maybe it's the way I work. I kind of know where it's going. Mm -hmm. And so there's not... And I, because I am investing a lot of materials and I don't have a lot of flexibility to just, I, that's why I'm excited about these drawings because these can be messed up and I, oh, can, yeah. I can toss them away and, and they don't have to be consequential in the way that investing, you know, yeah. a fair amount of money in each one of these like, yeah, yeah, to yeah. make it work. Yeah, let's get back into the work. So the, <laughs> yeah. the, the drawing is sort of a new thing. I t and when you're talking about that before yeah, turning yeah. the mics on, I mean, yeah. I know 
when I've seen your work in in a gallery setting, it's always been these paintings, yeah, the the, the relief paintings, right. But now you're 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 entertaining the idea of, of putting a drawing mm-hmm. out, um, and these drawings uh, it seems like they're two pronged, right? One, they're like studies for a painting that you're working mm-hmm. on, right. and then. Uh, the, the other prong is it's a drawing itself, and you yeah, might, it's might a consider thing. showing them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been making. Are you feeling them. about it so far? I'm cool. I'm I mean, cool you've probably with been it. making drawings for I a make long drawings, time. Yeah. yeah, and I, like I said, there's drawing underneath every single one. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this is the first time where I'm thinking about actually showing them um, and making some. Yeah, I make them for scale, like I was saying, uh, mm-hmm. to see well how big do I want this piece to be? Does it make sense at the scale? Like, mm-hmm. uh, so that's usually why I make them. Uh, and I'm making this series of six foot drawings to see which one I think would make the best six foot painting. Right, right. You know, they're kind of studies for that. And um, it looks like you're segmenting the paper in a similar way that you would segment your paintings. Yeah, just um, folding it. That's all fold. That's fold. not it's not like separate pieces of paper. No, they're you, okay. all folded. Yeah. So that um that was a big part of trying to figure out yeah, how, I'm to, excited how to about do that. that. Oh thank it's, you. It's, you know, it's a nice contrast, the the, the mark making and the mm-hmm. touch versus the, the relief paintings. Mm-hmm. I think they complement yeah. each other, but oh. they also, they're different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they inform each other in an mm-hmm. interesting way. So It's weird because I really feel this need that they're just strictly line, like like no shading. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a background color that relates to the, but there's no shading. I didn't want them to become kind of a, an illusionistic thing. Yeah. I just want them to be about line Yeah, and just... I guess they're illusionistic in the sense that there's a contour. My God, I'm so good with my art lingo. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's what that is, a contour line. Yeah. But they're not. Yeah, there's no. Is this finished? I think so. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. Because I want them to be fast. I don't want to spend too much time, like, overworking them. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. What are you excited about these days? Uh, Be it uh, other artists or um, shows you've seen, museum shows? Um, or maybe there's something non-art related that you're excited about? Yeah, I'm really, I want to see, I have so many shows I want to see. I want to see the Carrie James Marshall show at the mat. I have a friend who's gone like six times. Like she said, it was like the best thing. Um, I want to see that show at the Whitney, the, um, one about film. Mm -hmm. Um, what is it called? Uh, but it looks really good. Mm -hmm. Um, the MoMA, Picavia, Picavia, Picavia show. Um, have you seen the Minter show? Marilyn Minter oh, at Brooklyn Museum? Oh, at Brooklyn Museum. I haven't seen that yet. Is that still... I think I it's still up. I saw her, her show at Salon 94. It was really, yeah. really awesome. Do you like her paintings? I, I do. Yeah, that's your a really good is, question. Yes, your stuff yes. is like removed, but yeah. connected in a way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I realized I didn't even think about Marilyn Minter's work as an influence, but... I had seen her one of her eyes or something at uh, or lips or something at the biennial like years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a whole era of it didn't influence my work. Right. But it got in there. Right, right, right. It was right. in there. So but I also think that Marilyn mm. Minter's work influenced, you know, this whole genre of tutorials and the way oh, that sure. eyes are photographed sure. uh, it, it inf- influenced fashion photography yeah. i absolutely think that and so now what i'm looking at you know is from this you know subculture but they've all been influenced by her so of yeah. course she starts to show up but it's like 
through this other way. And she's been at it a while. Yeah, yeah. It, oh no, hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yeah, I love her paintings. Yeah. They're they're super charged and aggressive and totally. They're so make so you beautiful. feel something. Yeah. And sometimes that feeling's not good, but it, they're they're powerful. Yeah, for um, sure. My wife went and saw that show um, shortly after the election. It's funny. Oh she, yeah. She went. She like took a day off of work. You know, we we're all feeling terrible <laughs> and. Um, sick like I felt I know it was my I'm birthday still, I had a ugh. I had a birthday party slash I had a cake that said Gina Hart Hillary on it oh. and I like forced everyone at like nine ten o'clock I'm like we're eating this cake yeah. I'm putting the candles in it everyone's like crying that's good like, that's good we're doing it it was yeah. the worst it was the worst um oh. but yeah my wife took a day off shortly after the election and she went to the botanical garden she she mentioned that 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 um made things worse for her actually oh, like, really? like the beauty, the beauty of nature <laughs> so she walked over to the brooklyn museum yeah. and and said that the minter show rebounded her oh. she's like she started feeling better again oh which is an God. interesting response yeah that's amazing uh, anyways well uh, and i think too like i i listened to the i or watched chelsea lately the day after with barbara boxer and barbara boxer was like really inspiring because she's like the long arc of history and steps back steps forward right. and you know, for Pete, she's like, if you're going to be interested in politics, it's going to be, you're going to get your heart broken so many times. Yeah. You know, you just have to keep. It's so like, inconsistent. Have to keep. Um, but that's interesting about Marilyn's work, too, because it's like this, the underside and, and the beauty, these two things going together. Yeah. The dark yeah. and the light. <laughs> yeah. So maybe there's something there. <laughs> yeah. um, what about um, future projects that you're excited about or want to work on whether they're real or just goals of yours is uh -huh. any, anything on yeah. that list well i'm really into i so i started making these like sculptures that or they're structures for paintings to sit into oh. i don't know if you've seen those i can show you one after but yeah. it, like these cubes of paintings i had shown them at freeze and they're they're this way where the paintings I I, I paintings are them. discreet but they can be separated from the cube, but then they can also be a cube, like a painting. So they're like, you can manipulate them? You can. Well, no, it's just, it's like a structure that the paintings can be like sort of hung in. Oh, I see. I so see. they can be taken out individually or they can be their own thing. Okay. And so I started to think of some more structures for ways to show paintings. This is like a presentation. Like thing. a presentation okay. thing where they become both a mm -hmm. sculpture and their own thing. So. I'm experimenting a lot with that. I'm excited. I want to make some more of these really big ones mm -hmm. um, because I feel like that experience of seeing those really just bodily, like your body just reacts to them. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about yeah, there's, that. Yeah, there's power yeah. in scale. Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> That's true. It's like, um, but I think too, because of the dimension, it's like, you know, when you're next to it, I feel like your body just starts to react to it because mm -hmm. your body's like, oh, another body. No. A painting yeah 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 it's also <laughs> the other thing that's cool and i should have mentioned this earlier is that most of your paintings that have human features are larger than life mm -hmm. right like yeah i don't think these would be as effective if they were close like they any were. smaller than this so no think, no totally uh, and there's also something like important about body that. parts that i don't like i don't want to see a head i don't want to do a head right. like large or three-dimensional i don't want it to be identifiable mm -hmm. as like a person so I have certain things. I don't want to do entire bodies. I don't know. Do you have, have rules? A, like, I don't I do this. I'm not going to do this. It creeps me out. I don't know why. I just really don't. I'm not at that point. Watch me do it, like, next week. No. <laughs> but no. I just, it feels wrong to me. So I like this segmented or I'm, I'm at that point with these right now. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm kind of 
Great. I'm excited. Yeah. Great. Well, I feel like this is a maybe yeah. a good place to wrap yeah, things totally. up. I, I really Thank you so much. Hey, this, this has been great. Awesome. You know, it's it, it takes some trust for allowing me to oh, someone, no, something like this to go down. Yeah, so yeah, I, I yeah. thank you and um, well, yeah, interested. I've always enjoyed your paintings and there's like this there's a gravity to them both visually and tactily and um, yeah, it's great. And we've made it to the end. A quick reminder that listeners can learn more about this project and the artists featured by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. You can also find the series and subscribe in iTunes. Thank you for listening and check back soon for a new episode.